Well, it's that time again. What time is that? It's time to get naked. Like all the way naked? Well, keep your clothes on, but it's time for the Naked Party Time Podcast, where we get real and raw about life, leadership, and love. While having lots of fun along the way. So what do you say? Are you ready to get naked? Let's do it. Dating, vacations, and sex. That will be in our discussion the next couple of episodes. And no, we aren't talking about the latest celebrity gossip or (laughs) the new Barbie movie. Oh, my Lanta. Today, in episode 51 of the Naked Party Time podcast, we're going to be talking about the six best marriage decisions we've ever made. There's six of them? We'll get to that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is six. Oh, I thought I only read five. I've had five in my head, I guess, so. Isn't there six? I don't know. We're going to get to it. Welcome back, or welcome for the very first time. My name is Jeff Manis. I am joined, as always, by my fancy friend, my dating diva, my vacation vixen, my parenting partner, my wife, my love, my podcast queen, Sabrina. Aw, thanks. How you doing, Sabrina? I'm doing good. I had to work hard on those names. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure what a vacation vixen is, but... (laughs) Maybe that'll fit into the topics. I will for this. go on vacation and find out what that is. Uh, for those of you joining us on YouTube, hello to the you there. You might be regretting it already. <laughs> uh, but we're glad that you are with us. We did take the month of July off from the podcast following my study break, which was a great time away. Mm. Uh, we went to a number of different places. The study break is something that the harbor has done for the senior pastor uh, for I don't know how many years where they give one month to kind of go away and to rest, be renewed, and to seek God for vision on the next kind of season of ministry to refocus. And it is such a blessing. Yes, huge blessing. I'm very, very thankful that the harbor uh, does that. Not every church blesses their pastor in that way. Uh, But we were able to go to St. Louis during that time, and we went to my grandmother's on my Manus side, 100th birthday. I preached at her church on her 100th birthday, which was a blast. Uh, We got to go back to Cheyenne, Wyoming, saw our daughter Mariah and her husband Caleb, and we got to attend Element Church for for me for the first time since we left, um, which was both awesome and awkward Mm -hmm. all at the same time. Um, And then we made some quick stops to see your aunt and uncle, and we saw your dad, and then we spent the last week at a house down on the beach in Galveston. It was a great time away. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all you got to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it was really good. We got to see a crap ton of people, Yep. which I feel very blessed by, but it's also very draining. Yep. So I'm really glad we ended the last week, yeah. just our family yep. at the beach house, and I did not want to come home. It, yeah. was so awesome it was awesome to hear the beach or hear, hear the, the beach. ocean. We could hear the ocean from the back patio of yes. the condo we had. And then we took my hammock and I just laid in my hammock and I took naps in my hammock and we played games and made meals. Sat and on the beach for hours. Yeah. It was the perfect ending to what was a busy month, yep. kind of, yep. as far as peopling. Yep. And, and then we got away for our anniversary. Yes. We went up to, spent two nights. We found this super cool glamping resort up at Lake Houston. Don't recommend Lake Houston. We weren't that impressed with it. No. But the glamping resort was super cool. Yeah. Where we stayed was really nice. You could rent like a, either a luxury yurt 
or they had, and it has, you know, you can pull your RV in. They if you had have covered one. wagons. Covered wagons you could stay in that were had air conditioning in them. They had safari tents. Yep. And then there's like cabins you can rent. And then what we rented was a retro RV. It was like a, almost like an Airstream type, Gulfstream type trailer, but like all decorated, all the, the, furnishings were like from the 60s yes. looked like the 60s we literally just laid in that yeah. trailer it was awesome it was awesome it was awesome we didn't do anything the last episode though michaela and jada mm. hosted the last episode for a podcast takeover they did a great job and now they're getting very big heads yes about how great they did thinking they should just do the podcast every single time yeah i mean they did good but come on not that good <laughs> I mean, maybe we should put a poll out there. Who do you want to hear? Oh, they're gonna they're gonna vote for the kids because they want to be nice. <laughs> you don't have to be nice to them. We said maybe they could do one more before Michaela moves. Yeah. And then because she's moving so far away. Yeah. So we'll we'll maybe let them do it again. They did do a great job. Yeah, they did. Much better than I thought they were gonna do. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was kind of nervous. So today we do want to start a conversation about the best marriage decisions we've ever made. I'm pretty sure there's six. <laughs> we'll have to see what we get to the end. We're doing three today. I so, just always had in my head there was five, so I did not count. When no, I there, was... there is six, and I just went through it. Okay. So we are going to go about through three today, and we'll talk about along the way some of the ways that we've struggled in each of these areas as well. While these are the best decisions we've made, we have also struggled greatly with them. Many of them came, we didn't start them, start doing well with these. Yeah. We did poorly, which led to our decisions to do them. And then, as I said, our plans to release this in two parts. We'll cover three decisions today and then three on our next podcast. We would do uh, uh, an episode on the worst decisions we've ever made, but that would be a very long podcast. <laughs> We could call it 1,001 ways, uh, 1,001 of the worst decisions we've ever made in marriage. We could make a lot. We've made a lot of mistakes. Oh, yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah. And so we could talk about all those, but it's much shorter to talk about the best decisions that we've ever made. So even though we are talking about marriage today, we want to make sure and say, if you're single, this podcast does not exclude you. Yeah. You may not be married. But that doesn't make you any less valuable to God or to his kingdom than a married person is. I believe there will be some insights today that apply to anyone, no matter your relationship status. And maybe this can just help all of us know how we might pray for our friends and our family in these areas and how we can disciple one another and hold one another accountable as well. Mm -hmm. Even though this episode is about marriage, I want to make it abundantly clear, and I cannot say this enough, marriage is not the ultimate goal. Jesus is. Right. Yeah. Marriage is not the ultimate goal. We've made it out to be a lot. Well, Satan has helped the Big C Church turn marriage into an idol. Yep. And it should not be the ultimate goal. Yep. Marriage is not the ultimate goal. Jesus is, yeah. which actually, um, we didn't start out very well with this one, but it leads into the very first best decision that we've made in marriage. Sabrina, what is it? Number one, seeking Jesus to be fulfilled. The best marriage decision that we have ever, ever made is seeking Jesus to be fulfilled. When we got married, 
we believed that marriage would make us fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Right. It is a lie from the enemy himself. Marriage does not make you fulfilled any more than a great meal makes you never hungry again. Mm, that's good. Yeah, very, very true. Like, yep. I I mean, that's what you do, right? You go to high school, and then some of you may go to college, and then you get married, and then you have kids, and then you just do all the things, and then your kids do all the things. Like, it's just, it's generational. and It's an expectation. Yeah. It's not bad to do those things, obviously. No, no. <laughs> But the expectation is that, oh, you're going to get married. Right. And you might. Yeah. But if we make marriage the goal, we will be disappointed every single time. Yeah, because I'll tell you right now, marriage fixes nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. We think it'll fix things. We think kids will fix things. It do- neither of those fix anything. Yep. If I expect my spouse to satisfy my longings... I am putting them in a position that only Jesus can do. Yeah. So when I, when I expect my spouse or a spouse to satisfy my longings, what I'm essentially doing is making my spouse my Lord. Right. Which is idol worship. Yeah, it's, it's an idol. And we, and we, have inad- we inadvertently did that. Right. We entered marriage thinking, oh, we, this is going to be the ultimate. Mm-hmm. This is what is going to satisfy me is being in this relationship forever. Right. And marriage is, can be, and is an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. It is instituted by God. It is a blessing from God, but it is not what will fulfill you. Right. Seeking Jesus is what fulfills us. Right. So, one of the ways that we had to do this, it, it, practically speaking, is setting aside, aside time every single day to be with Jesus. Both of us start our days with Jesus every single day. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Today, yeah. Now yeah. we do. Yeah. Back then, I can't, I don't even. We both struggled. I was very sporadic yep. for a long, long yep. time. Yeah, as was I. And I think a lot of it was because we had never made the decision to seek Jesus to be fulfilled. And that bled into other areas of us. It, it wasn't just that we were seeking our marriage to fulfill us, but we were seeking other things. Right. Like Jesus was not the priority. Right. Even when we were in ministry, that was the case, mm-hmm. which I think is true for a, a lot of people that the, and again, one of the reasons we struggle with a daily time with God the most because the devil knows that's what's most important. Right. I mean, if the, I think the majority of Christians would say, what, if, if they were asked, what's the one thing you struggle with most in your walk with Christ? It's every day setting aside time to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like you hear it all the time. And what, why is this? It's not a surprise. Right. Because the devil knows that's what is going to keep them connected. That's gonna, what's going to make them fulfilled. And so let's, let's keep that away And for some reason, like when we do get good at it, like it takes barely anything to get us off track. And then once you get off track, it's hard to come back. And then it's also like if we run out of time to get other things done, we that's always the first thing to go, which makes no sense when we're I mean, totally. I was guilty of that, too. I'm speaking to myself, but like 
I, I can't comprehend why I think, oh, I'll just put this to the side so I can get other things done when it should be the opposite. Yeah. I shouldn't do anything else yep. until I spend time with the most important person in my life. Yep. And we just, it's not yep. thought like that. Yep. And that's why I, I believe, again, I don't care when somebody does it. Yeah. I understand not everybody's, not everybody's a morning person. But that's why I personally, I have to do it the very first thing. Yeah. Because if I don't do that the very first thing, other things get in the way. Right. Oftentimes other good things get in the way. Right. Yeah. Your family, your career, even ministry can get in the way. And then by the end, of, if I save it for the end of the day, like I get there, now I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And the, that's the thing that will get cut if I don't do it first. Right. And so both of us have made the, And you're not a morning person. No. But you've made the decision to start your day every single day with spending time with Jesus. Yeah. Sometimes you might split it up throughout the day, Yeah, there's, but you mm-hmm. always start your day. Yeah. I'm like barely awake trying to read my Bible, but I just know if I don't do that very first thing, and now I'm in a excellent habit and have not missed a day in years, yeah. but it took a mm-hmm. long time yep. to get there. Yep. But we struggle with that. Oh, man. I, I remember feeling so much shame mm-hmm. and guilt when our kids were little and and we were in ministry and I wasn't spending time with Jesus and I wasn't putting him first. And um, and then I broke. Yeah. And I've never looked back. Yep. But that was when, that was in 2016. 16. Mm-hmm. When you went through your worst bout of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's the Lord used that mm-hmm. for you personally. Yeah. To bring, literally, to bring you to your knees, yeah, and surrender, mm-hmm. and and. But I've been a Christian since yeah. 1992. Yep, December 27th, 1992. Yep. So I've so 1992 to 2016 yeah. is a long time that I struggled. Yep, and reading I did my too. Bible. I, I would go through stretches where I did really, really good. Yeah, and then you get into a rut, and it's just easy to go a week or two weeks. And you're spending very little time yeah. with Jesus. And it, it affects everything, it whether you see it or not. Yep. And now, I mean, yeah, for both of us now, starting the day for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. sitting down in the Word, in prayer, not just reading the Word, but allowing the Word to read you. Yeah. <laughs> not just talking to Jesus, but allowing Him to talk back. Right. Dialoguing. Has been a massive massive it's the best thing for our marriage mm-hmm. that we seek to be fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. Um we did a whole episode on seeking Jesus in episode 43 called the rhythms of relationships where we talk more in detail about kind of practically how you and I might spend time with the Lord but you can go back and listen to that if you want. Oftentimes I've I I have said or I have heard people say things like well about their marriage well, I couldn't live if I didn't have Sabrina mm-hmm. in my life. And I understand where that comes yeah. from. It comes from a very good place. I cannot imagine losing a spouse. I, that, it would be awful. And some of you listening may have gone through that. Yeah. Where you lost a spouse. And so I'm, I cannot imagine that. But if I can't live without my spouse... I may have an unhealthy dependence upon them. Mm-hmm. 
Because if I can't live without my spouse, what's that say about somebody who's single? Yeah. Because we don't need a spouse to fulfill us. Yeah. I mean, I used to say about you, I said this to you before. I have not said this in a very long time. I couldn't be a pastor without you. Mm. And again, that came from a place of sincerity. Yeah. And how important you are to supporting me, praying for me, caring for me, loving me. But if I need you to be a pastor, if I need you to be in full-time ministry, what does that say about Jesus in my life? Right. He's not the priority. Yeah. I, I, I heard somebody say, I can't remember, I tried to find it, I couldn't find it. It was a book or a sermon or something, but somebody said this and it stuck with me. Until you're able to live without somebody, you're not ready to live with them. Mm, wow, that's good. Until you're able to live without them, you're not ready to live with them. Hmm. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's really good. That we should we should be able to. Yes, marriage, again, is a, a gift, a blessing from God. But if you need me to live, then I have become more important than Jesus. Right. And more powerful than Jesus. Right. And if I need you for me to live, that's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You have become more powerful than Jesus in my life because the reality is all we need to be fulfilled and live is Jesus. Right. That's all we need. So I do, however, <laughs> there's a funny part is um, I don't know how to run our finances. So <laughs> I can't live on my own unless someone walks with me and takes care of me. So then, then that's the other part is you get so comfortable in your marriage that there are things I do not know how to do. And I'm sure anybody that's had to go through losing a spouse, you realize it after they're gone. Sometimes I think about that because the kids are like, mom, how are you going to live without dad? And I'm like, I don't know. Someone's going to have to take care of me. <laughs> so then there's things that like I, you get comfortable. And so you, I like, I should be careful with that. Yeah. I should learn how to take care of myself financially in the sense of how do I do that stuff? But I think that also speaks though to the power of community. Yeah. Like if you, if we never got married, what would you do? Yeah. I would ask for help. You'd ask for help. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's what the, that's what community is for. Yeah. Like, again, there's single people that will listen to this and they might be horrible at managing money. Yeah. Place people around Get you to help. help you. I, I, that's what the church yes. and community is yeah, for. Yeah, that's true. And that really, that, that's why, again, speaking to, well, both speaking to both married and single people, like to us married people, we need to speak about singleness with the same value yeah. and purpose that we speak about marriage. Yeah. But also, you know, for those who, I don't even know where I was going with this now, but to, to those who are single, th there's a reason why God put together the community the way he did. Yeah. Like the church needs single people to help the church mm -hmm. and the church needs married people to help, the, to help one another. Right. See what I'm saying? Well, and, and maybe this is all to say to single people, if you're listening and there isn't something that you're good at, or there isn't something that you like to do that it's okay to ask for help yes, and absolutely. be like, Hey, I suck at managing my money. Yep. Can you help me? Can you walk with me? Can yep. you show me what to do? Like single people should f feel okay yep. asking their community for that, yep. that it doesn't just have to be you and a spouse that you can ask for help. Yep. And same with a married couple. If there's something they're struggling with, it should be safe to ask their community to come in and yes. help them and keep them accountable. Yep. 
if we need marriage to thrive, if we need marriage to live life to the fullest, then Jesus can no longer be our example for living life to the fullest. Yeah, that's good. Because he never got married. Yeah, that's true. Jesus exhibited life to the full as a single, fully human man. Therefore, as the example, we he set forth the example of you don't have to be married mm-hmm. to experience but life to the full. But he had strong, strong people around yep. him. yep. So marriage does not solve loneliness. Right. There are lots of lonely married people. Mm-hmm. You can be married and be incredibly lonely. Okay? So the first best marriage decision we ever made, seeking Jesus to be fulfilled. And it doesn't mean that we don't still stumble in, in maybe making one another, you know, more of a priority than we should in the hierarchy of our spiritual lives. Yeah. But... We are very, very intentional these days to keep Jesus in the first seat. Mm-hmm. So what's the second best decision ever made? Number two, filling up each other's love buckets. <laughs> this, is a, this is the way you always say it is filling my love bucket. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is love languages, filling or meeting the other person's love language. If you're unfamiliar, unfamiliar with the love languages, um, there are five of them, physical touch, quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, and service. And those love languages, we each have one that is our primary way of receiving love. And we also each have one that is typically our primary way of giving love. And sometimes they're the same. Some, and sometimes, and sometimes they're, different. they're different. Yeah. Yep. So my top love language, the, the way I best receive love is words of affirmation. What's yours? Mine is acts of service. And it took us a long time (laughs) to figure this out. Mm -hmm. A very, very long time. For the longest time, I tried buying you gifts. Mm -hmm. Thinking, if I just buy the right gift, she'll really know that I love her. Or really feel love. Right. And... I don't know why it took me so long to get this because we did this through our dating life and I would buy you gifts and you were completely unimpressed. <laughs> I would buy you things that you had like begged for that you wanted so badly and my my heart would be like crushed. <laughs> Remember that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I crushed fault. you. No, it's not your fault. I will but, I will say it with the gifts, I feel like the and maybe it's because you feel my acts of service bucket up that I don't need anybody else to fill that up because you do such a good job at it. But I feel like now the older I get, the more I'm liking gifts because I, I, I'm glad you're telling me this. (laughs) (laughs) This is your way of giving, (laughs) this is your sneaky way of getting me to buy gifts. No, I'm not being sneaky, but I, I think I like it now more because I feel like I like the part of where someone thought about oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I show love through yeah, one of the, gifts. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm like, and I think about the people I give gifts to for months and months. Like I plan. Yeah. And so I, so because that's my natural way I show love, I'm now 
recognizing that when someone buys you a gift, how much they thought. Yeah, especially when it's a not what's an an intentional one. It's clearly something that they know about you. Yes, not just a gift card to Chili's. No, like they (laughs) listened to you. Yeah, they heard you and they got something for you. That that is really meaningful to me now. Yeah. I love that. I'll start buying you more gifts now. <laughs> now. Now I know I've got to buy you gifts. <laughs> but the gifts love language is not just spending money on you. It's the thinking part. It's the thought behind I'm, it. I'm, I'm tracking. I'm, and I didn't, <laughs> when I was 14 and on up, yeah, I didn't I know. I'm see tracking. that. You want me to buy more gifts? Oh, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I did. Ugh. Like we, I did not. We didn't. Neither of us did well no. with the love languages, and we didn't even know what they were. First of all, yeah, I don't know if we understood yeah. them. I don't know if you know, the books were book was written about it when we first got married. They obviously existed because we were both struggling to give and receive love appropriately. Right. But even going like I did, I have not always been a great servant of you. No, you. I don't have know. Not. Wh- I don't know when I made that decision that this is my primary responsibility is to serve you. Yeah, I don't know. I do remember. Maybe when we started having kids, you. Well, I remember the one of the worst things I ever did. <laughs> Let's share that. I'm going to. So, primarily, when we first got married, you still do obviously not obviously, but you still do all all or predominantly the cooking in our home. Yes. But you also, when we first got married, did the cleaning. Like you would not only make the meal, but you would clean it all up. Kitchen, dishes, everything. Mm-hmm. And was this, it must be after we had Jonah, maybe it was after we had both Jonah and Mariah. I think it was after Jonah. You were so sick with Jonah. That's what it was. I was you were pregnant, pregnant with, with Jonah, Jonah. And when you get pregnant, you get sick, sick. Like yeah. the whole time sick. I'm a nine month puker. Yeah. And so you were laid out, which meant the kitchen was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't used to cleaning the kitchen. And so for your birthday, which is in December, this is, this is, this is actually when it was, wasn't it? Because you would have been like fully pregnant. Yeah. Um, as if you can be halfway pregnant. You were, you, were, <laughs> you, were, you were well into your pregnancy, a couple months in, and laid out. Kitchen was messy. And so for your birthday, I thought, what a great gift this would be. Our home did not have a dishwasher. And... Because now I was doing the dishes. (laughs) And so for your birthday, what did I buy you? A dishwasher. A dishwasher. So sweet. (laughs) And what else did I buy for the kitchen for you? It was for you. A a TV that sat on the counter. Uh So when I did the dishes, I could watch TV. So you... So Except miss- I wasn't doing the dishes mm-hmm. because I was puking uh-huh. while I was carrying your child. This is the gift I bought my wife <laughs> for her birthday. Maybe this is why I, ha- I have struggled with receiving some mm-hmm. gifts from you because of the intention behind them. I bought her a dishwasher and a television because now I was in the kitchen more than I had cared to be. And I disguised it as a gift for my wife. Mm-hmm. How much thought was put into that? Quite a bit, actually. Like, <laughs> Not for me, though. No, I was like, how can I get myself a dishwasher and a TV and make her think it's for her? Mm-hmm. Not my, not my best moment. 
But somewhere along the way, I don't know what it was. Something spiritually shifted Mm. where I knew my primary responsibility is to seek, serve, and spoil my wife. And it, it became my goal to do the things that I knew that you hated to do. Which include dishes, cleaning the kitchen, mm-hmm. laundry. So now, so now, after all these years, Jonah's 22. I do all the meal planning, the grocery shopping, putting away, the cooking. And then you do all the cleaning up afterwards. And I'll do the, I also do our laundry every week. And I don't and, know when that started. Away. I don't know either. Yeah, I, 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 the laundry I do is like towels. I barely do any laundry. That's amazing. I did the laundry, but then yeah. I take forever putting it away. <laughs> yes, you did. You still do that. If you if you're the one that does laundry, you still do that. <laughs> I hate putting it away. Yep. And you in the same. So I don't, now I feel like filling your love bucket has become a a natural thing for me. Yeah. Except now I know I need to start doing gifts. Oh my gosh. I was hesitant to say anything, but I just, I have noticed that changing in me. That's good to know. I'm glad you said something. I got a gift this week as a surprise in the mail. And it just made me feel, not from Jeff. No. From somebody else in church. And just made me feel so uh, seen and loved. That's good. You You struggled for a long time with words of affirmation for me. Yes. So what, what do you do you remember if there was a way that you tried to show it it, it was gifts. Oh yeah, I would always buy Cuz you, you love the way you show love is gifts for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gifts or service. And you would all yeah, I am like receiving gifts pretty low on my love language list. I'm and and I like I'm, I'm all for like a, if someone's giving me cash, I can go buy whatever I want. Like I'll, I'll take You're that any day. Very hard to I'm buy. I'm very for. hard to buy a gift for. You're I very admit that. picky. Yeah, I, I do like receiving things, but I want to be the chooser of what I get to do with it. <laughs> so a gift card or cash, like I love that, because then I can go get what I want. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm very well, very picky. and I think I even acts of service, like I would try. There was a point in our marriage where I stayed home with the kids and you would come home and it would be very stressful in our house because it would be messy or the kids would be running around. And so we had to have a conversation that when you come home, you can relax. At the time, I remember our Van Buren house. So the first house we lived in in Cheyenne, that you needed the living room, kitchen and dining room is like our main level area to be picked up and clean so we would wait me and the kids would wait till like 4 30 and i'd be like okay dad's coming home we gotta clean up and we would try to get the whole area cleaned up i might still be in my pajamas from that morning Mm -hmm. but we wanted daddy to see that we did something today because i might have cleaned it several times but doesn't stay that way Mm -hmm. and so that we maybe had some fights that then turned into a conversation <laughs> that then turned into a solution. But even now we have no little kids and you still need the main areas of our house picked up. So that's or, not words of or, affirmation. What's, what's the, or I, I don't know. A warning. Oh, Oh yeah. That, that's the part I don't remember. Yeah. 
like I don't like being surprised. Because, I mean, this is this is we're having our own little therapy session. <laughs> I don't like being surprised that the kitchen's a mess because mm-hmm. I view it as my responsibility to clean it. So if I come home and the kitchen is an absolute mess, what I receive is I'm expected to clean it up. Which is totally Which I, not I what I, I know. intend. But that's why I have said I'm fine with the kitchen being a mess. I just don't want to be surprised by it. Right. Because you so can't relax until I, it's I clean. I cannot relax because I know that this is going to be my responsibility later. Right. And so if, if but as long as I know, hey, kitchen's a wreck. We made cookies or whatever. Just know when you come in, it's a, it's a mess. That helps me. I'm prepared for it to be a mess. <laughs> we had a big fight about this. Yep. Just a few weeks ago. Yep. And so. Oh, we don't ever fight though. Now it's my goal to have no dishes in the kitchen sink when you come home. Or a warning. <laughs> no, I've had no dishes in I the know. sink. I think I've done pretty good You've at done that. Great. But then I was gonna, I was gonna say, on the negative side of being so good at filling our buckets is I have taken full advantage of you (laughs) knowing if I don't do something, he'll just do it. And so that I, I know that I should not do that, but I have totally done that because I don't want to do it. And then it turns into a fight because then you get upset. I feel bad because I didn't do anything. So then the shame and the guilt and it turns into a big mess so we are a work in progress people but and then i don't know when i started getting good at words of affirmation you you did really struggle with that in the same way that i did towards you but it took you a long long time just to be intentional with like something as simple as when i preach yeah that what do you do like what do you do now and what did you not do well he he always would it would be helpful if i would say something to you but when our kids were little, I couldn't really talk to you on Sundays. So I, my goal has been for a while to just text. I usually text him while he's preaching, yeah. either something I like that he said or before he's done praying. Because yeah. as soon as I leave church, my mind is on the children and what they need. And so now, and for, I've done this for a long, long time now, but um, I text you. Yeah. Because I may not be able to say it. And, it's, and what's important is it, it's not just a text that says, hey, you did good job, good sermon. It's always something specific. Yeah, I try always. to be specific, yeah. Um, and you're great at that. And then for a while when you were traveling. Yeah, this, I'm glad you're going to mention this. This is my favorite thing. <laughs> I while, When he packed his suitcase, I would wait for a time. I could sneak into his suitcase before he left. And I would write notes and stuff them in every pair of pants that he had so that I knew he would always reach into his pockets to fix your pants. And then you would always find a note when you travel. I could be halfway across the country and put my hand in my jean pocket for the first time. And there's a note from you with some nice comment. Yeah. Again, a specific comment or or even sometimes a prayer or whatever. Right. You're really good at texting prayers too, which is, is it's, that's words of affirmation so, so you I, for other people. Yeah. So I've learned over the years, not only to fill your love bucket, but then it, it does, it goes into like, now I know words of affirmation for anybody. Yeah. Like it, it, I've practice has make progress in that. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it's a gift I have that God's 
helped me. And so I do it for our kids and for all sorts of people yep. that, um, yep. So I, I don't, I, I can't pinpoint where it shifted for both of us, but somewhere along the way, it just shifted that we know how each other receives love the best. And so we're seeking to fill that love bucket and make sure that it's yeah. as full as can be on the flip side. <laughs> We also both have the exact same lowest love language, which is physical touch. <laughs> <laughs> and we are trying. So this is where we've gotten, you know, to a point where we're like doing really, really well, even though we, as we talked about, there's growth still and oh, even yeah. conflict that happens with our love languages when they're not met or, or if we have unmet, even false expectations, even though we've gotten really like a good spot there. Like we are working on the other love languages, <laughs> especially physical touch. And let me just, we're going to talk about it in the next episode when we get to the, to a topic on sex, the physical touch love language is non-sexual, right? It's, it's not even necessarily romantic. It's just, it's affection, physical affection. Some people's love language, their number one love language is physical touch for you and I, it's number five and it's a long way down there. Number five. I usually, mine's usually zero yeah. when I take the test. Yeah. So like it is a struggle for us to, because, and this is what we're learning and we, we've read things on everything like, and this is like a no brainer, but for us, we don't think about it. <laughs> like physical touch is so important. Right. Especially non-sexual physical touch is so important. It does things to the brain. It does think like, um, not melatonin. That's what we should go to. <laughs> what's the, what's the serotonin? serotonin? Yeah. It's the, the chemical that makes you feel good. Yeah. Not melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> Be awesome. A physical touch caused melatonin. Maybe I'd go Just to sleep hold faster. Hands and we go to sleep real fast. <laughs> so like one of our actual written down annual goals it's is about- that we would touch each other, which is sounds awful, but it's we're trying to get better at all the love languages, not just the ones we're that we're natural at. Right, because you need all yes, you need five, all five of them. You might best receive love through one, but you need all five. I was gonna look in our. I'm looking in our goals to see what we actually. We have not done good at it. Oh, here we go. We had it like one day. I'm responsible. <laughs> to yeah, you. let me read it. <laughs> so I'm looking in our goals that we set, and it says Jeff initiate non-sexual physical touch Monday, Wednesday, Friday, <laughs> and I'm supposed to do it on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And guess how good we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're. So then I have in my reminders on Tuesday. <laughs> and I bet you just checked the reminder off. On Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, touch Jeff in a non-sexual way. <laughs> we have to have reminders so on our that phones. So I wouldn't forget to touch oh him goodness. in some way. And this is, this, is how, this is how bad it is for us. We are, our, ki- our kids are not used to seeing us touch i know we kissed in front of them in the kitchen like i know in the earlier days we did touch more and so it's not something 
that we've always struggled with. Because like when we were dating, we couldn't keep our yeah. hands off each other. Yeah. Sorry, parents, if you're <laughs> listening. But I saw. I don't know. Like I, the I, I, the I, longer I we're married, yeah. the less it becomes, and so now our kids are like grossed out by it. But I know it hasn't always yeah. been like that. I wonder if it's because we started experiencing the the higher priority love languages for us that that one faded oh, sure. more. Sure. So we don't. Right. But like, we do need it. Yeah, I know, and we're trying to get better at it. <laughs> so we're working on it. Yeah. Like I touched his leg in church today and it like took everything in me to do that. Like it is, it shouldn't. It's not natural. No, it's just so not natural yeah. for me. So it's why all you people that love to hug, I love your hugs, but I probably will never be the initiator. Yeah. I need you yeah. to initiate it. Yep. And that's how I am too. Like I'm, I'm fine if, if, if you, or if any, you know, if somebody else wants to give me, I have no problem receiving hugs. Right. It's, it's not on the forefront of my mind right. to initiate physical contact. Right. Physical touch. Um, and, and again, it's one of those things that we're both really, really now, you know, cognizant of mm-hmm. and trying to make an effort down to putting reminders in our phones. <laughs> um, and we're probably back into a rut again of just not we doing are. it real well. I saw this couple in church <clears throat> today just all snuggled up touching each other me and jeff didn't touch one time during church except in second service when i touched his leg for 30 seconds and i thought i i just just, don't know how you do it like yeah so it's it's constantly something i think about but to like this sounds terrible but like to physically touch him (laughs) non-sexually i like i don't know it's just it's just one of the. Th- it's just one of our things. We're working on it. Yep. Thankfully, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thankful that for both of us, it's like a very low priority because if, if either one of us had a super high physical touch need, that would be really, really hard. If you, well, you, I you would look, learn. You're looking at me very confused. Yeah, no, I would, I would learn to yeah, do you'd it. Have to. I learned how to, you know, and we have kids that like Michaela's yeah. is physical touch. And so as the kids grew and they were touching me all the dang time, I learned that that, that's what they need. And so if it's what you needed, it would be different. But because... Yeah, because neither of us, quote unquote, don't need it. Right. We we do do, need it, but it's not not high. And so since it's not a priority, I just forget about it. And then I see other people do it and I'm like, why can't I just grab his hand or... (laughs) I don't know. It's like, it's an effort. Yep, it is. So, so all, that, you, all you people that love touching each other, pray for yeah, us. Yep. We're working on it. So that's the second best decision ever made in our marriage, to, to fulfill each other's love buckets and to work hard on the other love languages that we're not natural at. Yeah, it's that you have to communicate about yep. it. And when you have a fight, learn from it and yep. work on yep. it. So what's the third one? Number three, prioritizing our marriage over our kids. Preach. Now, I know not everyone has kids. Not everyone will have kids. Right. Like I said to singles, marriage is not the ultimate goal. Jesus is. And I'll say this to those who have not been able to have kids for whatever reason, or for those who may not desire 
there's some people that just don't desire to have kids. Having children does not make your marriage any more valuable right. than those who do have kids or don't have kids. Having kids does not make your marriage more valuable than those who don't have kids and vice versa. Right. Your primary purpose is not to have children. It's to follow Jesus. Yes. And yes, part of the initial command and purpose of that very first union of Adam and Eve was to procreate. That was a pre-fall command. And after or a pre-fall purpose, mm. after the fall, there are now reasons why people literally cannot have mm. kids. Mm. And so before the fall to procreate, there was no limit to procreation because there was no physical issues at all. There was no brokenness hmm. for that marriage. I've never thought about that. That's really good. After the fall, there is now brokenness, whether it's spiritual brokenness, emotional brokenness, and physical brokenness that can limit our procreation. Hmm. And so not having kids does not devalue your marriage. That's, all right. I want, that's what I'm wanting to say. Right. That's really good. A, a little challenge to parents of adult children Stop asking your kids when they're going to give you grandkids. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is not their purpose. Right. Our adult children's purpose is not to give us grandkids. Right. I would also challenge all the parents of adult children out there to stop asking your adult single children when they're going to get married. Yes. My goodness. Support them in their yes. singleness, celebrate their singleness, value their singleness. And if they get married, celebrate that, Right. value that, support them in that. But our children's purpose is not to get married and it's not to get us grandkids. Right. It's not about me. Yes. And again, we're getting ready to have a grandson, right. Lord willing, and we are thrilled. Right. Like we cannot wait. But if all of our kids never had kids, it wouldn't change a thing. Right. It wouldn't change a thing. We wouldn't be less happy because they didn't give us kids. It's yep. not their responsibility to bring us happiness. Yes. It's holiness over happiness. Which goes back to the very first thing, seeking Jesus to be fulfilled. Right. I can be fully fulfilled without a grandkid. Right. Fully in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we, I it just, we need to stop holding that expectation over our children. Right. We don't expect, we don't even expect our kids to get married. No. And that's changed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get off track here. So let me get back to what we're going on. I'm going to get on a soapbox. With all that in mind, okay, we do have kids. God has blessed us with four amazing, independent, uniquely designed, fun, energetic, Funny, adventurous kids. Love all four of our kids. I can't believe you didn't put sarcastic in there. They also got that <laughs> spiritual gift from me as well. But early on in our marriage, this is something we did very early on. That I felt like out of all the things we're talking about, talking about, we probably did this one the earliest. Early on, we made the decision that our kids are not the most important relationship in our home. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, our personal relationship with Jesus, and then our relationship to one another. If you have kids, the best thing you can ever do for them 
is love Jesus, then love your spouse, then love your kids. Like you need to put that marriage, not just in words, but in actions. Right. As the second most important relationship in the home after Jesus. We did not start out this way. As I said, we did make it pretty early on. But I do think we went into marriage believing that, first of all, we would fulfill each other. When that didn't work, (laughs) I fell for the lie that fulfilling myself through lust and pornography would fulfill me. You fell for the lie. And I'm speaking for you. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But we're just looking at our history. Mm-hmm. You fell for the lie that having mm-hmm. a kid would fulfill. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. It took us four years to get pregnant. And I just thought our world was over if we couldn't have kids. And I remember being so depressed and sad and cried and didn't understand what we were doing wrong, why we couldn't get pregnant. Was there something wrong with us? And um, it, and it took a long time time we tried a long time and um and again there is please please hear us there is literally nothing wrong with a strong desire to have children yeah and it hurts when you can't have kids it hurts when you lose children when you have miscarriages all those things that are part of the fall Mm -hmm. now like those are legitimate yeah hurts what i'm pointing out is the the issue of the fact that we believed having a child would solve something. Oh, I'm, it was my everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like I lost focus on Jesus, on you, on everything else and became obsessed with wanting to have a baby. Thinking it would satisfy something in you that only Jesus could satisfy. Right. And I wasn't putting those things together. Obviously we ended up having children and I'm not, in saying, you know, putting our marriage ahead of our kids, I'm not talking about neglecting your kids. No. <laughs> Obviously, having children requires a ton of time, energy, resources, and focus. But our kids, Lord willing, are all going to leave the house one day. Mm-hmm. You aren't. Right. I'm not leaving our house. Our kids are all going to leave the house. But I think we often get that backwards. Right. Once a child comes along, one or both spouses starts treating the children as if they are never going to leave. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's one of the reasons why it can be so incredibly difficult when they do leave. Right. It's hard enough when your children leave the house. Like we're experiencing that kind of back to back to back with three of our our four children here. It's, It's hard enough when they do that. And you do have some priorities in place. If your priorities are out of whack, it's going to make that even more difficult if that child's been your primary focus. Well, and I don't know what the percent is, but the percent of divorces that take place after 20 years of marriage because all the kids are now gone, but the husband and wife no longer have a relationship. I just read an article on it called Gray Divorce. And it's the... Okay. It's... Tied to having gray hair. Yeah, 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 because you're it's, older. It's, it's the, the percentage of people who are getting divorced as empty nesters is rapidly increasing because for the last several decades, this 
unhealthy focus on the children. Right. And so for, you know, once you have a kid for the next 18 years, so if you have just one kid, at least 18 years that are typically in the home, if not right. more, you have multiple kids, it might be 20 some years. Right. And if you've made them, and here's what the grade of what gray divorce is, is that now the kids leave the home and you've spent so much effort investing in your children that the marriage did not get invested in. And when the children are gone, there's nothing that unites the couple anymore. Right. And they end up getting divorced. It's called gray divorce. Right. Because you end up becoming just roommates yep. and like business partners in a sense, because you're you're still doing life together, but you're you're only doing it that life together to support your children and whatever they're yep. doing. And then we're living through our children and having them do so many different things. So then we can participate in those so many things. I mean, it, it's, it's our culture. It, yeah. So it accidentally sometimes is happening and we get so sucked in and we don't realize. And then they leave and you look at each other and you are different people. You don't know each other cause you've been roommates for yeah. so long. And we knew we were in youth ministry when we started having children and we just knew that we wanted to do this differently. Yeah. We didn't want to turn out like maybe some of the parents we saw in our own youth ministry because they put their kids first. And so it was just such an eye opener to yep. us. Yep. Our kids are incredibly important, but they are not our relational priority. Right. My relational priority, humanly speaking, is you. I love Sabrina more than any other human being on the planet, including my children. And so I want to prioritize and invest in you as if you're the one who will be staying, <laughs> not my kids. Mm -hmm. My role as a parent is to point my children to Jesus and prepare them to live on their own. Right. That is my goal as a parent. Mm-hmm. To point them to Jesus and prepare them to live on their own. One of the ways we did this early on, like when the kids were little, little, we called it the first 15. And the first 15 minutes that I got home from work, the kids were not allowed to interrupt you and I. Mm -hmm. And whether it was you and I spent 15 minutes alone in our bedroom or downstairs in the basement or in the kitchen or whatever, like the kids knew mm -hmm. this is mom and dad time. I, usually it was in the kitchen because yep. I would always be in the middle of cooking dinner. And so you would come home and I'd tell everybody they need to go to their rooms or find something to do. Or if they were little, put them in a high chair. Like, er, you know, everybody had to disperse. And then I'd set the microwave yep. timer for 15 minutes and I would continue cooking and doing whatever I was doing. But then it gave us this quality time that you could decompress yep. And for you a could second, decompress. and I could decompress and talk to an adult. Yeah, talk to an adult. That's up for debate whether I was an adult or not. <laughs> but that was really big. Yeah, and it, we would. I would still do the. You know, when kids are little and the dad opens the door and they oh, run out. Yeah. Like yeah. I would obviously greet my children. They would, Daddy's home. Yes, but it was the most exciting part of our yeah. day. <laughs> Very first thing, though. All right, first fifteen. Mom and I are gonna be in the kitchen, and. That was huge yeah, it was for huge. us, mm -hmm. for you and I even, mm -hmm. so more, uh, more than yeah, the Yeah, because then once you sit down for dinner, it's all about them, and then you have bedtime, and then by the time you get them to bed, when you can spend time together, you don't always have all the energy, so we needed that little yep. bit for yep. us. 
The next way we did this will actually be the very first thing we start the next episode with. Part two of the six best decisions we made in our marriage. For review, what was the three today? So seeking Jesus to be fulfilled was number one. Filling each other's love buckets was number two. And then prioritizing our marriage over our kids was number three. Anything else you want to add? Yeah. Can I give a couple of resources? Yep. So there's a couple of books I've recently read that I think every parent should read, no matter the age of your kids. The first one is called Parenting, Getting It Right by Andy and Sandra Stanley. They have adult children now, but I loved how they broke down the ages of your children into different categories. It was even though my kids are big, it's still so helpful to me because I'm entering in the friendship years as they become adults. And I just, I wish I would have had it 22 years ago. I just thought it was so helpful, but they give so many great tips in there. And we talked to, or no, we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Talk about it yeah. next podcast about a weekly date night. They talked about uh, being in small group weekly. And I had never mm. heard a couple talk. They made that their priority. Yeah. Not, we always talk about a date night. So I thought, oh Hmm. man, that's so good. So just an excellent book. And then the other book that Jeff is currently reading, I've already read. And we think every parent of high school students should read this. It's called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. It's so good. And it's by Jim Burns. I read it first, and when I finished it, I told Jeff, I was like, I want you to read this, but I'm scared because you're (laughs) going to keep me accountable because I do some things in this book that he talks about don't do. And we have three adult children and one still in high school, and it. Jeff is now reading it. So now we're discussing it. And I'm like, I wish I would have read this so many years ago. So now we're, we're kind of having to backtrack a little bit and figure it out. So I just highly, highly recommend both of those books, no matter the ages or stages of your kids. Like, I just feel like any book you read, there's always something you can glean from it. And, um, wanted to make sure I added that. Yep. Thank you. It's good. Yeah. That one, that one book, the last one you went doing life with your adult children yeah, my goodness i That's had convicting. jeff and i have been having some conversations since i had already read the book and um just different things our kids are going through to me personally he would be he would say what he would like to say and i was like babe i need you to read this book because we can no longer give our advice unless yeah. it's asked because they see it as us being critical of them even though we're not being critical of them we do have good ideas but they're in a different stage yeah, now it's, it's so good it's been so it's... helpful to us as we walk this road yeah. of transition mm-hmm. and if you are a parent there's so many different transitions. And if you're a single person, love on other people's, I'm going to cry, love on other people's kids. I have people, adults that are loving on our kids right now. And it is ministering to my heart that even as parents, we need other people to help us like we can't do this alone and so whether you're single or married have kids or don't have kids like find kids to love on because it's been such a huge blessing 
to have people love on my kids that I never asked to love on them. Yep. Like we all need that. Yep. Um, it's good. So I just think those are great resources. Yeah, it's good. So all three, all three of those things and the ones talking about next week, we, we are definitely still working on. Yeah. We don't do them perfectly, but they are the best decisions we've ever made in our parenting. We'll figure it out once we get to heaven. Yep. <laughs> we will be back next month with a whole new episode, part two of the conversation. I've got some ideas on where we might go <clears throat> after that. If you do have any podcast ideas or suggestions, any questions or comments, uh, you can email my assistant, Janice at hello at jeffmanis.com. You can also leave comments on our social media. You can follow us there. Sabrina, why don't we end with our marriage mission? We are united, united in, in Christ, Christ, unstoppable with Christ, and unbreakable because of Christ. Christ. Now it's time for you to go get naked. <laughs> and partake. See you on the other side. <laughs> Usually you don't look at me when you say the naked part. <laughs> You've been listening to the Naked Party Time podcast. Join us next time as we get real and raw about life, leadership, and love.